Hey gang, today's guest is Max Rayner, guitarist and vocalist for the Tulsa, Oklahoma rock band, Will Dorado. Max and I got busy breaking down their 2019 single, Surefire. The track, which was a standalone single, followed a string of EPs by the band. Max described finding inspiration for the song after reading a book by author Stephen King. In the book, King included a poem by his wife Tabitha that inspired Max to put pen to paper and craft the lyrics to Surefire. He mentioned that the initial demo was almost the exact same length as what the final version became. That linear skeleton of the demo was then built upon in the studio by adding other layers and instrumentation. Max seemed delighted I took the time to dissect his song and go as in-depth as I did. It was my pleasure, as it's currently one of my favorite songs. And, as if I couldn't like the band anymore, Max shared that he feels the best way he and his bandmates can get their music heard is to go town to town, city to city, spreading their gospel. A true working class band. I back it. For all this and a whole lot more, stick around. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. See, I want to set this one up and give a little backstory to the listeners. Uh, Will Dorado is a rock band from Tulsa, Oklahoma, named after Will Dorado, Texas. But Will Dorado uh, for Texas is spelled differently. It's with an O, W-I-L-D-O-R-A-D-O. And uh, you guys are spelled W-I-L-D-E-R-A-D-O. The band signed to Bright Antenna Records, a label that specializes uh, in artist development. And uh, their staff includes A&R veteran Braden Merrick, who discovered and broke the killers. Max, you and your bandmate Tyler uh, met through mutual friends in college and started writing songs together in your fifth year after, uh, I guess, most of your friends had left. And you released your first EP, Misty Shrub, in 2016. Uh, the EP, is it pronounced Latigo? Latigo. 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 Well, I, you know what? I'm the wrong person to ask. We always called it Latigo. It's, I, I, it's, a, it's the street we lived up up in that canyon. It was Latigo Canyon, but... I could be the one pronouncing it wrong. I bet you're right. We're going to go with Latigo. That came out in July of 2016, and this is what really got me. That has amassed over 18 million Spotify streams, which is awesome. Congratulations on that. Um, you guys have toured with acts such as Band of Horses and Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, and your third EP, Favors, was released in 2018. And since then, you've been releasing singles, which... Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, in researching you guys, I haven't found that you, you did a f did any full-length albums. You've been doing EPs and singles, which is just the way things are now. To For me, I, I'm, I'm old school. I've been doing this a long time, and, and you, you put out albums, but so many new newer artists aren't going that way, and uh, I don't think you need to. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm always curious kind of what people think about us having taken that trajectory or that path. I, I mean, to be blunt about it, it was wasn't from a whole lot of thought on our end. I mean, we've, we have a, a management company and a couple of people we've been with from the very beginning and trust and relate to, and we've kind of just allowed ourselves to work and we were just always on the road and it just made sense to not have, you know, not be able to have too much studio time, not have too much money to be able to spend on recording, you know, too many songs. So it just kind of made sense to put out these little small packages rather than a full LP. So, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really kind of just been a, 
a circumstantial thing. And, but I, I do think it's worked out in our, our favor, but I am always curious. I mean, if someone like you coming, cause I'm not that young. I mean, dang, I'm almost I'm 33, believe it or not. You know, so I'm, I, it's not like I'm unfamiliar to records. I've got a, I've got a romanticized and, and wonderful connection to the record as well. I actually think it's smart. You know, uh, studios cost money, producers cost money, and you figure, hey, we're going to take a gamble on a new producer. I've had bad experiences. Like you go record a 14-song album, you're stuck with this producer, you're paying him, you don't maybe like the results versus, hey, let's go do a three-song EP. Uh, I don't like that guy. Well, it's only three songs. <laughs> so I think, I think it, uh, from, from a financial and a, a creative perspective, it, it, it kind of works out maybe better this way. It, it is, and it's one of those things right? I personally feel like there there is lots about it that you know, you could mourn or wish was different. But at the end of the day, what we are is a band in this time period. And the way people are consuming music is just the way people are consuming music. My band recently, we did a, we did a record about a year ago and they were sending emails around, hey, who do you want in the thanks, you know, the thanks list and the record? I was like, nobody, because nobody reads it anymore. <laughs> no, nobody cares like who's who the hell's gonna read i'm not gonna even gonna waste my waste five minutes and saying hey thank my mom and dad and my brother and whoever else they don't they're not gonna read it no one reads it anymore it doesn't matter it's all yeah. the, the, the game has changed and i've actually in doing this show have kind of embraced it and kind of had to look at it at, at things a little differently and say you know what just because i haven't done it this way or you know for the however many years that maybe there's something to this it's really open open my eyes and it's cool to talk to to somebody that's doing it like you guys are doing it well i appreciate it yeah but don't don't place any value on me i mean i just i'm just doing in a way what what we're doing we're just kind of reacting more than anything which is what's fun about right now i mean we're now finally putting out an lp and we've had time to make it and it's made sense i mean from the very beginning the idea was to just travel and travel and travel and make fans on the road we weren't None of our faces were going to make fans on the internet. So we just decided like the way to make fans was shaking hands and playing in front of people. And, and now we have a, a little fan base that we feel like we could put out a record to. And also we've developed a songwriters and, and simply had, had the funds and time to do it. So it's, it's a cool time. And, and it feels like something we're kind of doing for ourselves, you know, cause I still think you can make the argument of why why are you putting out 10 songs when maybe only three of them are going to be listened to. But I think we've kind of earned doing a couple things our way and and have, have been willing to say yes over and over and over. And, and now we're excited to put out a record just just for the sake of putting out a record. Yeah, well, that's awesome. You know, you, you, you did it the other way for a while, and now you're going to put out put out an album. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to ask you, who produced this track we're about to jump into, the song Surefire? Who, who produced this with you? Chad Copeland. Chad Copeland. Okay, okay. I couldn't, I couldn't find that when I was researching it. He, he and James McAllister, both Tulsa Origins, um, James in L.A. now. James did all the Latigo and Misty Shrub stuff. And then ever since then, we've done everything except for the Favors EP with Chad. We're talking about Surefire, right? Yeah, Surefire, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad Copeland and James McAllister, they're kind of our guys. That's home home base for us now, for sure. Awesome. Well, I, 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 love, I love the sound of this track. And, you know, Max, if I were to ask you, just assuming no one's ever heard your band this is the first interview you ever did let's say how and i've been asked this question before and and uh, i know my answer and i i've had to to use it over the years but 
How would you describe your band to someone that doesn't doesn't know your know your band, hasn't heard your band? What would what what would you describe it as? Because I, I I think I have a an, an explanation. <laughs> Do you mean how I would describe it in terms of uh, sonics or how? Not I would... so much not so much sonics. I, I guess what I'm getting at is if you had to name one or two or three artists, maybe influences or the you like maybe maybe you think you sound like that you could give a description to somebody, to a journalist or just to, to anybody? Oh man. I mean, I, I'd have a really hard time answering that question. I, I think it's all so circumstantial and kind of just what's going on that day. I mean, w- when I wrote Surefire, I, I just got off the road with Lindsay Buckingham and Christine McVie. So I was, I'd watched them almost 30 nights in a row and I don't know if how much that actually influenced the song, but that was what was all around me. Well, I think right before I wrote that tune. Well, I know I put you on the spot with this, and I I, no, I, 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 I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I'm talking the first time I heard the track, and I've listened to this song like 30 times now. I love it. I think the, the, the song's awesome. That's why I want to know who your producers were, too. I love the sound. I don't know if these are two influences of yours. I love both of these uh, artists I'm going to talk about, but my initial reaction of it, and I don't know if this is going to, uh, <laughs> which way this is going to rub you, but I, I felt like it was musically like Tom Petty and a little vocally like Coldplay. Does that make any sense to you? Well, I have no idea who could be offended by that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dude, it has this, it's just, there's something honest about it, man. There's something honest. I can't say uh, that offends me. That that makes me feel really good. I appreciate it. Okay, good, good. (laughs) I was weary. I was weary. I had it in my notes. I was like, do I say that? But I felt I needed to because that was my, I was like, and that, and by no means do I mean it's a rip off of that at all, you know, and I've listened to some of your other stuff. This song's kind of on its own compared to your other your other things but uh that was my first initial reaction and and i'm i'm, I'm glad you're uh, not offended by it <laughs> man i think that's so cool thank you well the single uh surefire was released in july of 2019 the song was uh, from what i understand inspired by the poem a gradual canticle for augustine by tabitha king i had not heard of that poem prior to this um and this song was named one of the top five songs you need to hear right now by sirius xm spectrum so uh this poem like how did that come about and, and how was that the inspiration for the track? I'll tell you how it came about was I was reading Stephen King's uh, book is titled On Writing, which is pretty sweet if you've never read it. It's like a half memoir and half just him kind of writing simply on his experience and technique and philosophy on writing kind of in and of itself. It's really, really good. But at some point in that book, he started talking about his wife's poetry and and that he he just included that whole poem right there in the book i never read anything of her and i didn't really know much about stephen king still really don't pass that one book but uh it just made me i was just kind of enchanted by that idea of i mean i've always known about hibernation i guess but i guess but the way she just put it i thought was so was so cool and and to tell you the truth i didn't really think oh man i'm gonna wake up and write about bears hibernating in the morning it was it was more like <laughs> i had basically made the whole shape of surefire i mean, I mean it's kind of side note i i love it so much that you want to talk about this song it's, it's probably my favorite song i've ever written but one thing i love about surefire is the shape literally came from i sat down and just on i think i did it on logic i just tracked that dun 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 and played through that and then just played for 
three or four minutes and just kind of stopped when I felt like stopping. And that was to the beat, what ended up being the whole structure of the song. Well, yeah, the song's four minutes long, so you, it sounds like a, <laughs> you were right there. Yeah, it was wild. It just kind of at some point, I, I like doing that sometimes, but it actually worked out with this tune perfectly. So I had done that, and Justin and I, the drummer and the band, had kind of made up a little just vibe all around it. And uh, then the next day, I guess I went into try to put some melodies and vocals on it and had just read that the night before. And for some reason, that bear line, bear in the forest kind of just like sang really well, I thought, and kind of came out a little subconsciously. So it wasn't so much I sat out to write about it as it was, I guess, just kind of still in my my mind a little bit when I was getting into the lyrics. Well, I, I got to tell you, my, my producer, Chris, he, uh, I, know my, I know my listeners know this, but, you know, he had suggested me doing a podcast over a year ago. I was like, ah, I'm not, I don't want to do a podcast. He's like, no, you should do one. It should be about songwriting. And I am so glad he did. I've said this a bunch because I probably, I might've never heard this song. So Chris, mm-hmm. thank you. Cause this song, and I'm glad you want to talk about it. It's one, it's your favorite song. Cause it, it is, it is awesome. And real quick, before we jump in, uh, I'd like to read the Tabitha King poem real quick for, for yeah, listeners. Yeah, why not? Uh, the thinnest bear is awakened in the winter by the sleep, laughter of locusts, by the dream, blustering of bees, by the honeyed scent of desert sands that the wind carries in her womb into the distant hills, into the houses of cedar. The bear has heard a sure promise. Certain words are edible. The nourish more than snow heaped upon silver plates or ice overflowing golden bowls. Chips of ice from the mouth of a lover are not always better, nor a desert dreaming always a mirage. The rising bear sings a gradual canticle woven of sand that conquers cities by a slow cycle. His praise seduces a passing wind traveling to the sea wherein a fish caught in a careful net hears a bear's song in the cool scented snow. And props to you because I don't know if I would have come across that in a Stephen King book if that would have given me inspiration to write a song. (laughs) Dude, well, I... I mean, hell if I know what any of that means. I just, I, uh, he, he kind of, it was a great, it was a great way to stumble on the poem. I think just because the way he sets it up was like, they were in a poetry class. I think it goes and this woman stands up that just strikes him in that special way. And then she reads that. And I think it just kind of floored him. And so he kind of set up, that scenario and that mood and then showed you the poem and yeah i don't know it just kind of sang to me to tell you the truth and that's awesome and that and what i said wasn't meant as a knock it was just like I, as i read that and you know i read the other day and i'm re- reading now i'm reading and reciting it to you i'm like wow he got inspired by that that is that's that's pretty cool and for those that don't know i didn't know what a canticle was it's a uh, a chant hymn or a song in the biblical text so that's what a canticle means so again i'm, I'm yeah. learning stuff on my show too it's great I just think it's kind of cool that that she she had that imagery of of something coming out of a, a, a period of time that they I mean, I think all living things understand how precious time is. And, and the fact that these animals do that to me is they sacrifice months to sleep. And, and then he came out kind of with a song on his lips that just there's just kind of there's something beautiful, beautiful about that to me. So, yeah. That's it, man. I thank God for her. I, I love that line. I love the way it sings. 
Okay, well, we're going to jump into the track now. As I said before, it's four minutes and four seconds. And I think you just described this part, and I almost wrote it uh, in my notes how you, you said it. That the, the, the song starts off with just guitar. It's a jing, 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 just the guitar, and then, and then the band uh, is in. There's these tight eighth-note stereo guitars, slightly overdriven, uh, with a neat guitar lick panned off to the right. Tambourine is placed on the snare hits, uh, and the guitar lick drops out as verse one begins. And then there's this guitar high pitch delay. I, I, I put that. I wrote that's kind of the running theme at various points in the song. Uh, it's panned over to the left speaker that kind of introduces parts, and I just love. I love the sound. It's so cool. And that happens up until the 17 second mark, uh, and then we're in the first verse. Read a couple lines here and have you set it up. I can feel it in the future. I can see it in the culture. I see the moon as the sunrise. See the stars with my morning eyes. And right there, that high-pitched delay guitar comes in before the rest of the verse goes. So set up these four lines for us. Set them up? Well, I got to say, first of all, there's rules. I've never had anybody, I think, listen to a song quite like this. I mean, it's like <laughs> you go in the studio and dork out with your friends. You don't ever expect someone to be finding uh, all these minute details. So man, I hope you know I appreciate it. That's that's pretty cool. Well, thank you for saying that because that's what I love about doing this show, man. I get into it. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're digging it. Yeah, I dig. I, I think a lot of, of what I do is when I'm writing lyrics is just kind of allowing myself to put a very high value on the cadence and, and the melody. And I kind of try and let the words favor those things, if you will. And yeah. and I think um, I just liked the alliteration of the two Fs. I can feel it in the future. I can see it in the culture. It just it just kind of came out to tell you the truth. There wasn't a whole lot of thought into it, and I love the I love the uh, the upside downness of I see the moon as the sunrise, and then my morning eyes. I'm always kind of been upset. It, I mean, obsessed. It's it's really hard for me to start a song and not instantly talk about the morning. I don't know why it is. It's always just like <laughs> the very first thing that comes out usually when I hear a melody, something about the morning. That first demo you did on Logic, do you recall were the were the lyrics pretty much what they are here now in the song, or, or did they go through changes with with your producers or with the band when you got in the studio? No, they 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 are what they were. I've got a pretty great voice memo. You'll have to remind me to send it to you, but it's like eight minutes long of uh, me just kind of singing bullshit. find 
to, you know, just that right melody. And so some of those words are in there. That's usually always how it goes. I'll just record myself trying to find a melody because usually my favorite lines are just things I kind of hear myself accidentally say. Okay. Well, con- continuing with uh, verse one, the next four lines, there's harmonies on them. And man, mm. the choice of notes here with the harmonies is awesome. Like a bear in the forest, like the heat in the conscience, I take a walk through the tree line, getting on with Father Time. I put their subtle, the harmonies, they're not sung super loud or, or, or aggressive. They're subtle, but they're haunting. The notes are perfect. On Father Time, there's that high-pitched guitar delay off to the left again. And then something happens here. There's a measure and a half about of just the band playing. Okay, the vocal stop. Then you come in with the lyric, when do I begin? And then there's about another measure and a half of just music. And then when do I begin? The response almost with like a delay effect takes over that blends right into chorus one. It is so cool. Where do I begin? Yeah, man, I love that too. I mean, a lot of that is just uh, Chad being awesome. <laughs> well, and, and and usually I don't talk about it till the next time it comes up and then I bring it up, but I feel the need to bring it up now. It doesn't happen in the second verse. You know, it only happens there with, with, the, with the breaks between the music and the where do I begin. And of course, not where do I begin, uh, the when do I begin. And the when do I begin, of course, comes back for the bridge later. So it's almost a, a foreshadowing of what, what's to come in the bridge later, but it never happens in verse two. I think that's really cool. Hey, everybody, don't you dare go anywhere. There's lots more Chris to make a podcast after these messages from our sponsors. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, We welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a one-hit wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the one-hit thunder or was nothing more than a one-hit blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the show. When you got to verse two, did you ever say, wait, why isn't this here? Well, uh, that kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier was I just kind of stayed true to the shape that I just played. And so I had a thought process. And and, and once I was in the second verse uh, and that, you know, is the first verse or the second verse kind of mirrors the cadence and then the time there's. Uh, or, or at least the series of cadences from the first verse. And it was just felt like time to go right back into the chorus at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It was mostly just kind of just felt right. So I more was left to figure out what to say. 
uh, and it was it was less about deciding to have that be shorter, if that makes sense. And it's interesting, a lot of times, and I'll use this as a trick, and a lot of songwriters do, if they're going to do a part like that, Max, they'll save it for the second verse. You know, they mm. won't give it away right at the top, you know, and it, here you did it. And I didn't miss it the second time, but I was wondering, why does the second verse feel different? Of course, I'm staring at the lyrics, there's less lyrics, and then it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, that part only happens there. It's almost like that's your one pre-chorus in the song that never happens again. Well, tell me again what happens. So it's when do I begin? And I don't yeah. say to end on the second time. Is that what you're saying? On the second verse? Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, the second verse just uh, basically uh, it, it's eight lines. Oh, yeah. It just says, where do I, right? Yeah. 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 It's really, it, it, it's really cool. Well, right at that moment, uh, we're at the one minute and three second mark. And what I think is really cool about the chorus is a lot of times that's where you'll save the big harmonies for. And, you know, and your mm-hmm. harmonies are, are those subtle, really cool, haunting harmonies in the verses. The chorus comes in and it doesn't need harmonies because of the kind of conviction that you're singing this with. It's a one person vocal, you know, just with what that's the, at least how it how it made me feel. And you just again, it, I believe you, if that makes sense. It's believable what I'm what I'm hearing here. It's it's like it's just it feels like a, a, a truthful lyric. saying oh my oh my surefire yeah the setting sun gonna set on me and that's the shortest uh, chorus in the song uh there's a, a piano or a guitar like single notes throughout the chorus that that, that comes in there that's really cool yeah so good was that on the original demo is that something that that uh, chad and you came up with when you were recording it i do think chad we put something else in there i think i had put just like a in the demo, there was just kind of a pulsing synth, so that that may that may have made it in there as well. But I do think we just ended up and going added going and adding just the actual notes, playing all those notes on the piano, just a dun 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 dun. Mm-hmm. We I think there's that's also done with the guitar in that too. Okay, so it's a guitar. I didn't know. I could, like I said, the other thing I love about this mix is the subtlety of things. It's not like all of a sudden that guitar, or I was calling it piano, but that guitar, those single notes are all of a sudden super loud. They're, they're there, but I had to really put the headphones on and study it and listen to it. It's just, it's another layer that fills out that chorus. Interestingly enough, at this point in the song, we haven't heard the guitar hook that's at the top of the song yet, and we'll we'll get to that. But we have we haven't heard that come back. Right after the chorus, it goes right into verse two. There's that high, I'm calling it the high-pitched guitar delay. I don't know what you would call that, but that happens again, off into the left yeah. speaker, and it, it takes you back into in, into verse two. I love that. Uh, again, was that on the demo, or was that just a happy accident no, in the studio? No, that, that's, a, that's a, yeah, another another Chad just being amazing. Yeah, it's it's I like I said it's a running theme of the song. It's almost neck and neck with the with the you know the guitar hook at the top that that, that comes back later. Before we get into verse 2, the I don't know if it's the bass gets louder here or another eighth note guitar is mixed right up the middle, but it definitely feels heavier than verse 1 when I AB them. I've been waiting for a long time. I've been waiting Drying out like the hay 
was, was there more guitars here or was it just mixed a little louder well i think that the the beginning of that second verse the guitar goes away the the rhythm guitar the dun 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 that goes away and doesn't come back in until i think a, a measure after but that may be why the bass is seeming louder because it just is alone there Okay, well, ver- verse two just musically seems bigger, but not in a, a way of like, whoa, it just made me feel different enough to where I had to A, B it. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, it just gets huge here in the second verse. They threw in these big stereo guitars. It's, again, I use the word subtle. It's subtle, but there was something there enough to where my ears went, why does this feel different? You know, and I went back. Yeah. And it, it's it's awesome. I love I love how this song grows. I'm going to get into the, uh, the lyrics here. Uh, verse two, I've been waiting for a long time. I've been waiting in the sunshine, looking round like it's storming, drying out like a histamine. I, lo- I love that line. On the line, looking round like it's storming, another guitar comes in more strummed right there. Looking round like it's storming, drying out like a histamine. That's awesome. That when that yeah. guitar when that guitar comes in because it's a different feel. It's not the eighth notes are still chugging back there, and the bass is still eighth eight doing the eighth notes. But that guitar rhythmically just kind of pushes and pulls a little bit and adds this no, this other layer. Again, was that in the, uh, something on the demo or was that done in the studio? I think that was done in the studio. I mean, a lot of what we were doing is working with a very linear track, and so I think when you're in that position, take, uh, you know, if you can ever take things away and bring them back, it has such an impact. I love, love when that guitar comes in. And again, the line I said, I just love drying out like a histamine. I have terrible allergies, so I, I, I know about, all about histamines. Uh, <laughs> that, again, in the notes here, the high-pitched guitar delay, that, that sound comes in, panned off to the left speaker, before the next four lines are harmonized. And, th- yeah. man, again, the harmonies here, you pick the right notes. It's sweet. I'm the warden on the front line, a yellow soldier (laughs) on a dead mine. Listen, lover, won't you call me? I'm a sucker for some harmony. And uh, I want to tell you, Max, on your website, uh, because as you can tell here, I do some research. It says, listen, honey, won't you call me? Not lover. Was that the original lyric? No, was it? That's a mistake on the website. (laughs) Thanks. It is. It is. Listen, listen, lovers. That's some good alliteration. I actually picked up the phone and called Chris. I go, dude, am I hearing lover? Am I hearing this right? And he's like, yeah, it sounds like lover to me. I said, that's what we're going with. But I'm, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm gonna ask Max when, I, when, when I get him on. I love the last line here. I'm a sucker for some harmony because I love that there's kind of a nice play on words here because the last four lines have the harmonies on it. Was that uh, a play on words or just by accident that lyric happened there? Yeah, that was less about, uh, you know, multiple voices and more about I was getting into just kind of the notion of trying to view things with the right perspective. And, and, and I thought it would, it would be cool to just kind of end that whole thought process with the fact that like everything just always feels better to me when I'm with someone. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, what I think is really cool here, and we, we, we talked about it uh, uh, for verse one, but it goes straight into chorus two here. Uh, there's no when do I begin that line and the breakup of, of just the, the band playing going back and forth. It doesn't happen. And I don't think it needs to happen. I, I love that it hits the chorus here. And now you're getting a double chorus and, and, and mm. you're actually getting a new lyric on the back half of this chorus. Yeah. Yeah. We're at the one minute and 49 second mark here at chorus two. Uh, the lyric is, oh my, oh my, surefire, yeah, the setting sun gonna set on me. Oh my, oh my, surefire, yeah, the setting sun wants company. So set that one up for us, the the, the back half of that, at least, lyrically. I always think do a double chorus and not just repeat the same lyrics, that that's cool. Uh, it's not always the case, but... I just wanted to say something else without having to kind of leave the context that I was in. And, and that just kind of came pretty naturally. But I, I love that imagery of kind of feeling like this, you know, everything's going away and the sun's setting, the day's ending, but, uh, you know, kind of personifying the sun itself a little bit. And yeah, it's saying the setting, the setting sun wants company. Are, are, are you the company in that aspect? Yeah, or, or whoever, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. I think I was just, I, I think I like the idea of it just kind of summing us all up in this together. Yeah. And, and this isn't a knock on myself. I've, I've had, uh, a, a few few moments of, of, of a decent lyric here that I don't fancy myself as a, as a lyricist at all. I'm, I'm a songwriter and, and melodies are my strong suit, uh, chords and melodies. But uh, I, I wish I could write lyrics with imagery like this. I, I love your lyrics, man. They're great. That really means a bunch to me. Thank you. Yeah, they're they're great. And now we're at the two minute and nineteen second mark. Uh, of course, in chorus two, that single note uh, guitar thing was happening again, and it's just it's great. It just adds adds another layer that I that I really like. Two minutes and nineteen seconds. Uh, there's a twenty second uh, instrumental part here. Basically, I'm calling this first part uh, without any uh, vocals. The post chorus. Uh, it's the same chord progression after the chorus, but that intro guitar riff. Uh, from the top of the song is back. It comes in, but there's also a high synth part that is mimicking that guitar part. again ask you was that uh, done with chad or, or was that something you had an idea to do on the demo yeah that was done with chad just a little little more texture yeah it adds a lot it's it's, it's a cool part yeah man I, I appreciate it i agree too that whole bridge i i love that whole bridge man the bridge is is awesome and i'm calling this first part the post chorus two minutes and 19 seconds and then at the two minute and 34 second mark everything drops out the lick the keyboard lick the bass it's just drums and there's a two note guitar part that comes in. That's just, it's awesome, man. Just 
just kind of makes you come down before what I'm calling the bridge comes in with the vocals. So how did that come about? Was that on the original sketch or was that something you're like, you know what? We got this, as you called it, a linear song. And, and I'm, I don't use that as a four letter word here. It's, it's just, that's the way the song yeah. was and, and you were building the song. But, uh, how did you get to the point like you know what it's got to be just drums and this two-note guitar thing happening and that's the only time you hear that sound of that guitar too it's a new sound you're introducing there it's beautiful uh i just did that on i mean when i was playing through that shape for the first time just kind of stopped and but it was you know that you always come to that point in the song where something else needs to happen or something needs to go away and I, I think we just felt like there was such a great vibe going on that if you were to change it too much or do any sort of proper like bridge turn, I was afraid kind of you would lose the mood. So I, we just kind of dropped out. And then that two note guitar, I always think is a good trick of just if, if something kind of spaces out to have eighth notes still going to just to keep moving the tune along. Well, I'm going to steal it. I like it. it's 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 really cool because as you just said you brought up something you know a bridge a lot of times it's it's this departure you want to take the song somewhere else and you could have easily put the weird minor chord in there and went to another progression but but i think you were afraid of that you wanted to keep the essence of what was going on but change it up enough to where there was a departure yeah just classic staying where you are (laughs) no no it's great and you know as that uh, two note guitar part and the drums are happening uh the vocals come in for the first two lines and there's harmonies on all four of these bridge lines it's the last time you get any harmonies in the song and and these harmonies are 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 amazing as well You say, when do I begin? Which that lyric, it harkens back to verse one when, when we got the lyric there. Uh, when do I begin? When do I begin to end? And right there, the main progression and the band come back in. It's no longer the two-noter. The band's back yeah, in. The rules. Okay? That's probably the best part. It is, man. That part is awesome. Then this pre-delay comes on, where do I begin? You get this like weird reverb delay that sets up for the next line, when do I begin? And then the very last line, when do I begin to end? And there on that last line, it's just drums and guitars uh, ringing out there. Yeah. It's kind of rings. That's, again, that was something that happened in the studio? I mean, that was just, yeah, yeah. It was just, how do you set up the, the final moment? And again, it was just, let's take it away and then just put it all back in. As you're in the studio and, and you're recording this track at, at this point and you're, and you're building the song, was there ever, you know, how, I guess what I'm going to ask is how really involved, it sounds like he, a lot, was, was Chad in, in building this song with you, with, with these parts we're talking about? It's always as much as a collaboration as you can possibly imagine. I mean, there is no Will Dorado without Chad or James. It's just the simple truth of the matter. Um, and I, lots of times what, what makes our relationship so wonderful is we, we all just know when, it, when a song's great. 
where when a song we all feel the same way about a song and i always think a great song is just a song you love and, and so when we all feel that same way about a tune then it's just kind of game on and everybody is is just all about trying to figure out how do we tell it the right way so it's a i mean it is a very very collaborative process so yeah after this bridge which is just probably max probably my favorite part of the song um i love it all but this bridge just uh it just kills me it's so good we get into chorus three and chorus three is like chorus two we're at the three minute and five second mark here uh, of this four minute and four second song and you don't get like a double double chorus here you just get the chorus again is oh my oh my surefire yeah the setting sun gonna set on me oh my oh my surefire yeah the setting sun wants company and i have to say you know when i read these lyrics back at people it's weird in and of itself but for the listeners please if you haven't heard this song listen to it because by speaking these lyrics oh my oh my it does not do justice to what max is doing uh vocally here it's it's such a good uh, such a good melody line i just i just, i love it i i've had the song on my head uh on repeat for a couple of days that's that's how much I, I i'm really into it uh at the end here um that high synth part comes in underneath and from the three minute and 35 second point on out the guitar main lick comes back in until three minutes and 50 seconds when that high pitch guitar delay comes back yet again and that sound echoes over just a drum beat You know what? I'm just now real sorry to cut you off, but I'm I've I've been kind of trying to figure out what delay you're talking about. I think that's actually a vocal. Is it the ooh? Because I, I do this whoo kind of like there's this real verby ooh that's on the <laughs> one of each. That's exactly what it is. So that's not a guitar. So I that's that. a vocal that man. Okay. And yeah, again, that, I that that right there, that shows you how well this song was mixed because i yeah. feel like i got some pretty good ears man i put the headphones on and i get in here i'm taking this thing apart like a, a, bu- <laughs> a, a buzzard picking apart roadkill man that's and, so funny i was thinking man that that guitar really impacted it i'm trying to even remember what it was but so that, yeah that's I got a, you that, that, that's yeah, a vocal we've always called them the the who's uh, i don't the know who's. why i did that i actually do know why i did that i just totally ripped it from there's this band called number one dads there's a record by number one dads called about face. And, uh, that's one of my favorite records of all times. And he's got this real, uh, this incredible song that starts with a, he just does this real high pitched woo. And
when I was making this demo, as just I just did the same thing. It just felt so cool. It felt that, like it worked perfectly, and yeah, that's what it, you know. From the very the very first time, I was saying high pitch guitar part. You just had this puzzled look, and every time I'd say it, you just kind of you know like the the little cartoon bubble going over your head with a question dude, marks. Well, I was just gonna <laughs> let you go with it. I, I wasn't gonna try to figure out what it was, but yeah, that's like, funny. Well, you're like, what's this guy smoking? What's he hearing? That's your voice. That's your voice. Um, well, the song ends with that and a couple of well-placed drum tom hits, and, and yeah. then it's, just, it, it's just done. And uh, it, it's so cool, man. I, I just I can't say it enough. I, I love this track, and I think it's so interesting that that a uh, Stephen King, a poem from his wife, became something that you you drew inspiration to write this this haunting melody and this killer song. Man, well, I, I again can't can't say enough and how good you're making me feel um yeah it did that's the that's the truth it did i mean i think it ended up mostly being about just kind of being obsessed with this life and uh the fact that it ends and the fact that you know i believe we get one go at it and yeah i just think um i don't know why but when i read that poem it just kind of made the whole idea of hibernation seem so so wild to me that that would that that's a sacrifice that those animals are, are willing to make just to be blunt and just kind of made me i was in it i was in a time too where you know i was i think very very down and, and very dark and was not being able to write tunes and was i don't know I, was, I think i was a bit depressed to be honest and uh I think I just related to this idea of sometimes like you kind of got it, you got to go to those moments where you're just, everything gets dark and low and, and that's okay. And you come back out and it just was so sweet to me. The idea that the bear comes out with the song on its lips and it just yeah. steps right back out into the world. That's still moving. And now you're the bear uh, hibernating in a tour van for three months at a time. <laughs> well, I'm the bear <laughs> hibernating in Tulsa for almost two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Max, uh, thank you for, for sharing the story. I, I love the band. I'm so uh, grateful that I, that I, uh, uh, your publicist reached out to us and I got, I got a chance to speak with you. And, uh, at this point, if you'd like to leave the listeners with what's going on with Will Dorado, man, any tour dates coming up, uh, what's happening with the band? Yeah, it's just such a great time in the band, man. It's, um, dates are coming in. We're just, you know, what we're doing is setting up this record release. We've been patient and, uh, you know, just kind of waiting for the right time to put it out. It means a lot to us. It's our favorite songs ever. And it's just, yeah, we've been setting it up and finally have a, have a plan, have a tour. We're doing kind of some one-off dates through the fall, playing with some new people. Uh, just everything is so exciting, so positive, so uplifting and just I think I love being in the band right now as much as I ever have. So we're, we're excited to kind of keep sharing music and keep seeing what happens next. We have, we've never really, our whole thing has always been hold everything loosely and just kind of let it happen and, and work hard and things just keep coming. Awesome, man. Well, I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, I got a big mouth. I'm going to tell everybody that I know about your band. I think you guys are great. Dude, it means a lot for real. This was such a cool thing for me. It's all mean these songs mean a lot, especially lyrics. It's not very often that you get to have someone listen to your lyrics that way. So well done. You, you made me feel really good. Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. There's plenty more Chris to makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors.
Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. If you're a fan of fierce, honest, in-your-face rock music, check out Another Cheetah. Based out of Greensburg, Pennsylvania, Another Cheetah lives to plug in, turn up, and rock out. Another Cheetah, streaming now on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else you listen to music. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song via MP3 only and your bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Wildlife, spelled W-Y-L-D-L-I-F-E. Featuring Sam on guitar, Dave on vocals, and Spencer on the bass, this act caught the ear of Little Steven, guitarist for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, who signed the band to his Wicked Cool Records. Here's a snippet of their song, Deathbed. Chris and Chris. Well, I thought that was a really great episode. And I don't know, man. I don't know if Max knew what he was getting into this episode. I kind of saw the look on his face change to be like, wow, he's really getting into the nuts and bolts of this song. I think that maybe he thought this was just going to be a regular conversation on a podcast or interview or something like that. I don't know if he knew how in depth this was gonna he, he was he was shocked you heard him say off the top like dude this is crazy like i've never had anybody <laughs> listen to one of my songs like this yeah i thought it was really interesting that he was inspired to write that song after reading on writing by stephen king i knew that poem was by tabitha king didn't put it together that that was stephen king's wife and on writing is one of those stephen king books that i've heard about forever that i haven't read i've read so many good stephen king books my favorite being four seasons which is the four short stories that includes what became the stand by me movie and shawshank redemption are both within that book of short stories that's beside the point i gotta read on writing but yeah it's cool how you can pull inspiration from literally anywhere yeah and he and he wasn't offended after i you know i had read this poem a bunch of times and i recited it uh during the episode and as i'm reading it even when i got done i said man i, I don't know how you got a song out of this when <laughs> he kind of laughed he's like yeah you know because i like i said i probably would have read this and never thought about writing a song and it, it's cool how that inspired him to do so i thought it was cool the animal imagery in the poem because dude i gotta tell you last night i watched this documentary called my octopus teacher on netflix it won the oscar for best 
documentary 2021 and it was about a guy who went in the ocean every day and developed a relationship like a friendship with an octopus it's amazing and it is beautiful but while you guys are talking about that i couldn't help but start thinking about that again because you know the imagery of the bear coming out of hibernation and that relation to nature and max brought up how he thinks that all of wildlife all of nature animals people for sure kind of realize their own mortality in a way and uh i mean you could look at that as a dark thing but i look at that as like a hopeful thing you know i, I don't know it just depends on how you look at it yeah and, he, and, and you know he said that, that that you know bears are willing to sacrifice uh their lives for hibernation you know probably half of their lives or, or, or so so i thought it was a really cool take on something to get inspired to write a song it was definitely definitely nothing we've heard here on the, on the show yet the thing about this song it's a song that really puts you in a mood and keeps you there uh and I don't know if that that mood is partially pensive and reflective, partially hopeful. It's upbeat, but yet kind of solemn sounding at the same time. I don't know. What, where, where does this song put you, Chris? Well, what? I think everything. And I and it made sense at the end when he, he said he was kind of in a, de- a depressed place when he uh, wrote this and recorded this. And, and you can hear that uh i don't know certain bit of loneliness again i i this song's believable and remember the first time mm-hmm. a producer said that to me he said you know sing it with conviction i want to believe it and i'm like what's he talking about and and i totally understand that now i don't even know if i could explain it any better to the listeners than just saying that i i believed this song the first time i heard it it, it felt real and like i said i was i was apprehensive about giving the comparison i wanted him to, to describe his own band and, and he stopped short because i don't think he really really knew how but i just felt like it almost sounded like tom petty's backup band playing the track here with like a cold play type delivery on the vocal and he took it as a as, as an amazing compliment and i just you never know when you're gonna get someone's reaction because you know any band with a horn section sounded like less than jake all, all my years it's like oh Royal Con review you guys sound like letting no we don't sound like right that. well i don't think <laughs> Any band, especially a band in the style of Will Dorado, is going to be offended when you say, you guys put me in the mind of Tom Petty. I think anyone in the world, for the most part, is going to be like, wow, thanks. No, but and wh- but whether you like Tom Petty or Coldplay or not is 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 beside the point. I, I happen to like love both those artists, but um, I believe both those artists. There's something true when I when I hear those songs. And that's that's the vibe I got from this. So all those descriptions that you gave, I, I felt when listening to this and uh, this, I can't get the song out of my head. I, I, it's one of the coolest uh, songs I've heard uh, in a long yeah, while. It's very cool. And I thought that Max's outlook on being a band was very cool. It reminded me of my own and I, I'm sure yours too, Chris. Just He basically said he's always believed the way to make fans is to get out there and shake hands and play live. And I think that's kind of the way I've lived my (laughs) musical life as you have too. It's not like we don't think that we're going to win over the world with our, uh, our beauty (laughs) or anything like that. It's, it's, it comes down to the, the touring and getting out there and, and playing your music and connecting with people. And, uh, you know, we can't, hear every band in the world and i'm glad that through this podcast we were able to hear will dorado and i'm i strive to hear every good band in the world you know and uh 
And I feel fortunate that we were able to discover this band through this podcast. Yeah, the fact that uh, that you know their publicist reached out and and hit us up, and and we get hit hit up quite quite a bunch now, which which is awesome. I I never ever dreamt when we started this that people be coming to us to want to be on the show, and they they were an undiscovered band for me. I got to uh, to find a new band that I love. Right. I think for a lot of people out there, they're pretty popular band. I'm sure a lot of people are like, "What? You don't know this band? Well, hey, look, we try, <laughs> we try to know every band, but sometimes sometimes somebody slips under your radar. Hey, Chris, sometimes even once in a while while there'll be a band from 30 or 40 years ago I never heard of and then I discover them and it's like a new band to me and I don't think there's anything wrong with that not not at all and I'll, and I'll tell you and that's why I was careful with my words when I was you know uh, giving an introduction to the band I mean they have 18 million Spotify streams on, on some of their stuff I mean that that's <laughs> that's uh, that's something to, uh, to to brag about there that's that's pretty impressive yeah man Wilderado's Spotify numbers are pretty impressive but you know what else is pretty impressive what is that Chris the amount of custom songs that you've done for people over the past couple of years, what is that number up to now? <laughs> that number is 171. I just did my 171st custom song for somebody, and yeah, uh, that's been since December 2019, so just, just shy of two years. Damn, dude, it's a good thing you're doing all these episodes and picking up all these little tips along the way from all these other songwriters, or you might be running dry. Have you, honestly, honest question, have you been able to take little bits and pieces of like people's processes and put them into your own process? It, it's funny that you asked me that because I was just going to expound on that. Yeah, I, I have. I've I've learned so much from this podcast, um, not just from talking to the artists, but like really analyzing the songs. You know, for instance, the Joey Cape episode uh, where there was just sporadic harmonies on one word here or there, but in one verse, but not the next verse. And I've been kind of sprinkling little tricks like that into some of these songs, you know, so I, I, I have learned some new tricks. It's really it's really awesome, dude. I don't want to say it, but the holidays are coming up. I can't believe that I'm saying that, but it's actually kind of true. If someone is interested in getting that awesome gift of a custom song, which honestly, I know we're trying to sell some Krista makes custom songs here, but honestly, that is like an incredible gift to give someone a personalized song. So if someone was interested in that, how can they contact you? They can hit me up at ChrisDemakes at gmail.com. And uh, if you get a custom song from me and you'd like a video uh, to go along with it, a picture video, a montage of some sort, Chris can do that. He uh, does video editing. Or if you'd like a lyric video, he can do that. And uh, once again, a great gift for the holidays. So hit me up at ChrisDemakes at gmail.com, and I will give you all the info on that. We can together make a very special gift for someone that will last a lifetime. And I'm not just saying that. I last a lot longer than some shirt. Although I do have some shirts that lasted a long time. I'm wearing a shirt from like <laughs> nine years ago right now. But uh, but yeah, hell yeah. And if you can, give me a follow on Instagram at Less Than Chris D. And I want to thank this week's guest, Max Rayner, for sitting in with us. Be on the lookout for Wilderado's new album, self-titled album, on October 15th. Check it out. Awesome band. And we'll see you next week. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of 
Otis Redding of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.